Hello and welcome to the Pond and Podcast, where no one listens and we don't care. My name is PJ, alongside my co-host John, and today on the podcast, we have Fisher FC manager AJ, as well as Scott, who runs the Proper Blokes Club. Come on, fish! Come on, fish! Come on, fish! The Pond and Podcast is sponsored by the Fisher FC Club Shop. You can find them on Twitter at Fisher FC Shop or through the club's website. First up on today's podcast, we have AJ, the manager of Fisher FC. Hello and welcome to the Pond End Podcast. My name is PJ, alongside my co-host John, and today we are joined by the manager of Fisher FC, AJ. AJ, how are you doing today? I'm okay, thank you. Hope you're good. Doing well. So, first question uh, today is just sort of throughout lockdown. You know, how have you been doing? What have you been up to? And also with the players, how do you feel like they've been doing? And uh, anything they've been up to that you'd like to uh, let us in on? Um, for the first lockdown, um, I could come off of football. So it, once you're a football manager, you play football and obviously trying to juggle work and family's time together, you don't have enough time with the family. Um, so the first two months, I just give it to the family, really. Um, been around the kids. Um, what's going on is crazy out there, but for some of us, it's a blessing because I get time to spend with the family a lot more, So which is good for me. How's the players doing, AJ? Have you heard much from the players? Um, we're in a WhatsApp group, so I get to speak to them every day. For, um, I think I got back into the group last week, so catching up with them. Um, most of them are old, majority of them are staying fit. Um, they're still doing a 5k run every week, so they're credit to the club, these boys. So you never believe that we're just a semi pro team, the way the boys are actually looking after themselves. So they're really good. No, it's good. I've, I've followed some of them on Instagram, and I can see that a lot of them are working hard. I think one I see Christian Udo is working. Yeah, he's in, uh, he's in he's shape. Yeah, he's got himself a personal trainer now, and yeah, he's really looking forward to next season. And yeah, big things coming for Christian definitely. Can't wait! Can't wait to see us kick a ball again. AJ, when you first got the offer to come to Fisher as assistant manager, what was your thoughts, and how much did you already know about Fisher? Um, obviously. Fisher was a pro club when I was younger. So when I was younger, it was a professional club in the conference, I thought it was at that time. Um, so it's, it's a club that's well known around the football league. Um, when the offer came in, um, I had to do a bit of more research to see what, what league he was playing in and what standard it was. And it was the same standard as Tamlets at that time when I was at Tamlets. Um, but looking at the history of the club and the fan base, it's, Fisher's just a sleeping giant. And I, would, I, would, I just wanted to be a part of that um, it journey with the, with Fenny when Fenny took over, and yeah, at, it wasn't it wasn't too hard to say yes to him at that time. Things changed, and Alan left, and then you got the offer to become first team manager. How did you feel about making a step up from assistant to manager of Fisher? Um. It wasn't something easy. Obviously, you spoke to Fenny and got his blessing to take over. And obviously, it didn't work out when Fenny was there for his own personal reason. It didn't work out. Um, but it was really, it was mind-blowing, really, because you're going from Timeless, which is a big club in his own right, but going to Fisher was a different sort of ball ballgame. Um, 
there was more attention on me where with social media, getting people texting you, um, just the fan base is just crazy. It's crazy, it's something I wasn't used to. So I had to mature very quick and I had to grow into the game and grow into the role very, very quick. You mentioned that about the fan base. How, how does it make you feel when you're on the sidelines and after the game, fans are cheering your name and singing for you? Um, it's something that I've never ever thought about that would ever happen as a manager, really. Um, the clubs I've played for, I think only when I was at Easton that we had fans. So, but as a manager, I've never had fans behind my back and obviously just cheering you up. So it just makes me, it makes me happy to know that you are, because when you got fans, it shows that you're doing something, right? Because you can't get away with nothing. If you're doing bad, I'm sure the fans will let you know if you're doing well. So that's just the way of me judging myself and seeing where I am as a manager and where the club's leading and how I'm performing, really. And saying about the fans, you also have a, a banner in the Dockers' end. Have you ever had a flag made for you before? Never, never. Um, I think the only thing I first saw I'd had was my when my son was born, I had a T-shirt saying AJ Junior on it. But when I walked into the stadium that day and I saw that, it was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Good touch. Yeah, the, 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 flag, the flag display is pretty impressive. Is it, have you ever seen anything like that in non-league before? Um, in non-league, never, never. The f it's crazy. You might have the odd flag night rail them there, but the one fish has got is crazy. That is absolutely mind blowing to see the the effort and the work that's gone into it, and the thought is has gone into it. It's just not something you just buy off the road. It's something that someone's actually sat there to think of, which is really good. Yeah, Paul does an amazing job. And yeah. we're hopefully going to have him on the podcast to talk us through the banners as well. So we'll get to learn about the banners even more. You seem to have a great eye for talent. We've seen some great young players. One I'm going to mention is Ade Alowu, who seems to be going from strength to strength at Chelmsford. Do you have much contact with him still? Um, I spoke to Ade yesterday and... Yeah, I spoke to him yesterday, so we still speak a lot. Um, I watch a lot of his games, and yeah, it just get he comes back to get feedbacks from me every now and then. Whenever he plays, he shows me the video, and we talk about it through. And obviously, there's still bigger things coming up Friday as well in the next couple of seasons. So yeah, watch the space for him. Would Would Ade be one of the best young players you've seen come through your managerial career, or is there somebody else that you feel? Um, there's been couple, there's been couple. So, um, but obviously, with Ade's one as a centre back is really is really good for myself because I was a centre back when I was playing as well. So to see another centre back come through, and obviously learning learning off me is really good. Um, you've got Randell Williams, um, is at Exeter at the moment. Um, Omarol. So we've got a couple of decent players that's gone through when I was managing through Tamnes as well. So. Yeah, we've got couples so far. Come on, the fish! Come on, the fish! Come on, the fish! What, why is it you think that young players believe you're the right manager to progress their career further? Um, I think we're, I'm young as well. So 
I started this, I started managing when I was 24, 25. So I start, I gave up football really early to start managing. And a lot of managers would not give a 16-year-old, a 17-year-old a chance in the first team where I'd, if they're good enough, I think they should be playing. Um, I wanted my timeless, I think I had about 12 in the squad of 17-year-olds. And they did really well in that season. So, so I think I just believe that they trust me and I'll never hold them back. If anything, I'm looking to push them on. And it's really working so far. And hopefully it carries on with more youngsters coming in and more of them going out. But it would be good for Fisher to be producing young players to professional clubs. Yeah, 100%. You mentioned you as a, a centre-back yourself. Who was your idol growing up as a centre-back? Um, so a lot of people would come up with their, their brand names. But with me, I thought I was really close with a guy called Danny Shittle. He was, he was at me in Wall, Watford and Bolton. Um, he's someone that I looked up to when I was younger. And it, I used to train with him. And Danny really helped me, obviously, when I was younger, because when I was younger, I didn't, I wasn't that good. But with Danny's help, I became um, more talented at football, started to know about the game a lot more, and it's just someone I look up to. Would you consider getting the boots back on, <laughs> if needed be? Um, I don't know. I don't know, because the boys are really, so last season, I was tempted when we was really going for the bad patch. but. It wasn't the back force fault, so there's nowhere else for me to play on the pitch unless I play centre-back. And you've got Adi and Mervyn there, was did really well. Then when Adi left, I thought, you know what, I'm after stepping. Then Sam's come along, and Sam's really grown into the, to the game as well. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. As long as them two are playing really well, then I'll be on the side just doing my job. Hopefully, we can see a little cameo pre-season. <laughs> and then, who would be your manager that you look up to um so we spoke about this i think in my last thing i spoke about with um non-league um in non-league football i look up to i look up to justin gardner at barking um the guy's work effort is crazy and he was my manager when i was younger and he's just the work effort that he puts in the guy's got a family, but he's got time for his family. He's got time for football and he's never getting a day off. <laughs> and that's the kind of effort, that's the kind of work I want to have. And if I can come close to that, I'll be very happy with it. And yeah, Justin's just absolutely crazy the way he works. And if we're looking to the pro game, I'm looking at someone like Scott Parker now. He's got limited resource and he's doing a good job at Fulham. And it's just an before we know it, a big job will land on his feet. So, yeah, just them two really on top of my list. And tactical-wise, is there a manager that you would look to and see how we can adapt our game at Fisher? What sort of style of play we would like to play? Um, obviously, where we play on 3G, um, it makes sense to play football from the back. And play attractive football to so obviously everyone can say yeah Fishers did really well they play good football but it's not all about playing good football the way I think it's not always playing good football if you want to win the league you can't name, I can't name more than five clubs in non-league that's played good football all season long and won the league really hard to find 
So we used to play against a team called FC Romania. They played the best football you could ever see. I'm talking about winter, summer, but they never won the league until I think last season, two seasons ago, they got promoted. So you don't really get a lot of teams that will play good football and will win the league. So you've got to learn how to mix it up. So my philosophy is just, can we play when we can? But when we can't play, we go long. So wintertime, you would never see us trying to play football wintertime when we're getting away, away from home. But when we're at home, we look to play. So that's the kind of, that's the mentality I have. Yeah, we, we always seem to, there's certain pitches we seem to struggle on, if you like, mm. yeah. away from home. It's not great pitches. Nah. So <laughs> it's a, it is a struggle. And obviously, when I think we went to Croydon and their tactics was totally different. I think when we were talking in the changing room, the boys were looking, thinking, we never go long, but today we had to go long. And we won the game. I think it was 2-1 we won the game, but it was a really a boring game, but you just have to go and get results when you get out, when we go away from home. When we get back home, then that's when you see the life of Jamie, um, JK, that they can start playing football. Rob Brand, all them kind of players will come in into the show. But when we're going away from home, you just need to grind that result because the pitches are not the best. This season when we played Croydon and we got the last minute winner, the pitch that night was pretty bad. <laughs> the goal, to be honest, the goal mouths, they're always in a bad shape. Yeah. Um, and it was last season, I believe, when we went to Punjab and Wale mm. scored the hat-trick. Yeah. I remember the weather was atrocious. It was pouring down. Mm-hmm. We dug in and like you said, it was, it's not the greatest of pitches. It's uphill. Yeah, and I think that sort of game speaks about what you're saying about digging you in. Yeah, just you got to learn how to adapt to every every situation you football puts you because we're not a professional club, so not everyone's got great pitches like Man United, Tottenham. So we've got to learn how to adapt. When you come to Simples, yeah, we can play football. If you want to play, we can play, and if you want to battle, we battle. But when we go away from home, it's just you've got to use a bit of common sense and say, you know what, let's get sorted today. In the current crop of players, who would you say is the most talented and gifted who could go on for bigger and better things without getting people ringing you up? Um, there's a couple of them that I believe that they can step out and go and do something with their career football in, in the squad at the moment. So if you look at someone like Julio, Julio is, is a manager's dream. Absolutely manages dream. He, the boy just his work rate, his effort, he's honest, he just digs in. And any manager that gets Julio in the team is a lucky manager. And when I'm doing my team sheet in the night, Julio's name is always first on the list. Like he's not the most talented player, but he's one of them players that every manager will love. If yeah. you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, no, he's he's something else. Yeah. <laughs> what what has been your proudest moment so far as a as Fisher manager? Um, I'll say when we played Glebe at home and we beat them three one last season. Um, obviously prior to that, there was a lot of things going on on Twitter between the two managers and the two clubs. And the morning of that kickoff, I woke up with a buzz and. For me to walk into a changing room and not do a team talk, because 
every single player know what that knew that what that match meant for me. And then after we didn't do one team talk, we sat in there, we sat in quite we sat in silent and we went out. And yeah, the boys just did they did really well that day. I think that must be one of the proudest moments. Is there one player you would say is the biggest dressing room leader? So with this squad where they're so young, is we're still injecting how to be a proper football players. So they've come from under is where it's just individuals, individuals. So they come in there, everyone's listening to their music. There's no togetherness in under is most under is you get it's just individual players, individual people. Once you get into men's football, you become more of a team and it becomes a resort business. And I think some of these boys, it's taking them longer to understand what it means. So at the moment, I think we have Lucky, whose character in the change room is unreal. He's the one that leads the team out. Then you've got Luke Thomas as well. Um, two of the old heads in the team really are put out there. They're really big characters in the change room. If you don't mind, I'm going to go back to proud moments. The FA Cup run that we had. Um, how was it at Tooting and Mitcham? I mean, that was probably one of the, my favourite games of the season. The, the fact that 400 fans, we had nearly 100 Fisher fans. Yeah. We came back. How, how was that sort of game for you? Um, obviously, before that, we played them in pre-season and they absolutely bullied us in pre-season. And going to that game in the morning, we wasn't comfortable, wasn't confident that we we're going to go and win, but it was, we knew that it was going to be a big game for us and we had to play at 100, 110% to win that game. And I feel when they, when they go up, I thought, here we go. Then we came back, then obviously they scored 2-1 and I just thought, you know what, that was it. Like, there's no way for us coming back from that 2-1 with about 12 minutes left. But they dig deep again, the boys, and they got the result, really. It was a really proud moment for me as well, that one. And it was the same at Cray, although we we, we bowed out the cup. But yeah. we spoke the other day with Ian and Peter about the support that we take to away games. Going away games, how does that help the players to have such a big following like that? No, it's really, really good. Um some teams, they play at home and they're really, really good because they've, they've got their fans behind their back. Then when they go away, they only take about two, three play, um, people with them. So their away form, you can tell about their own form is totally different. But with us, it's, it's crazy. Like, they, just people singing your name and everything, away games, just kills the old tension of being nervous to go out there. So it's really good for the players. And lastly, what, Apart from a full season of football, what do you expect from next season from the players? Where do you want to see us going next season? I'm not one to put pressure on players where they're so young as well. Um, so we look at it as game by game. So my coaching staff will say, you need to make a plan. You need to tell us where we want to be at the end of the season. And I'll just say to them, look, we'll take it game by game. We'll beat everyone around us that we know we should be beating. And the, the big boys, the name, the lies of Sheppy, Chatham, we give them a good game. And look at the end of the season and see where we are by December. Then we'll go back and review where we are in December. But to pull on 
this is where I want to be. I want to be in playoff. I want to be. In, I want to be third in the league. It's not something I've ever ever done before, and yeah, I don't tend to start now because that just puts a lot of pressure on the boys that they lose one game and they think, oh, we can't meet our target. So I don't never put target on them. It's just go out there and win a football game for me every single game is a cup final. Thank you, AJ, for joining us and taking Thank the time. So I hope you and your family are well. Give our best Thank to you. the players. Would do. And please, if any of them would like to come on and speak with us, Please let them know that they're free to. I would do, mate. Thank you, AJ. Thank you. Thank you, AJ. Thank you, mate. Cheers, AJ. Come on, the fish! Come on, the fish! Come on, the fish! Once again, we would like to thank AJ, the manager of Fisher FC, for hopping on today's pod. Next up, we have an interview with Scott from the Proper Blokes Club. We'd like to welcome Scott from the Proper Blokes Club to the podcast. Scott, please let us know about the Blokes Club and how you got it started. For having me on the on, on the podcast. Um, yeah, so my name's Scott, I'm from the, I started the Proper Blokes Club. I started it in um, September of last year. Um, and on the basis of that we're trying to, trying to get men talking um, and trying to break that stigma of men's mental health. And uh, we do that by um, two group walks a week we do. Um, that's what we started off as, but then we had to change it to one-to-one walks because of um, we wasn't allowed to do the groups anymore. Um, whilst it was in the middle of the lockdowns, um, and now we're coming at the end of it. Our first group will be back on the first of April, uh, so that'd be great. Um, and how it all started basically was uh, talk about my own um, my own situation. Uh, about nine years ago, my eldest daughter was born, um, and then. Um, not long after that, um, it was a relationship breakdown um, and uh, uh, loads of access issues with my, with my little one. Um, that's still going on to this day, um, which is obviously mentally tough um, to keep dealing with. And then I had um, uh, with my second partner, to two little daughters, which actually didn't work out and it was the same. <laughs> that the same thing happened again but lucky enough I'm seeing them at the moment and the relationship's really good um, but then what comes of that is uh, lots of stress, anxiety, uh, feeling low, feeling down, feeling run down, not being able to cope um, so so yeah then I ended up getting into financial issues, ended up losing work <coughs> and stuff like that and um, got to a point where I needed, uh, I had to make that decision that I needed to make a change um, and I did that by reaching out on on Google to find out what the NHS um, offer um, and I've done um, CBT sessions with them, done six counselling sessions um, which were really helpful uh, mainly just because I was able to talk to somebody um, and then after that um, I, I couldn't afford to go private so I needed to find a way that this is going to help me long term so um, exercise was the, was the one. Um, and walking was the, the main one for me. So I've really um, embraced that and taken it up and getting out in the fresh air really helps. Uh, so yeah, and then um, I basically uh, started up a page on um, Facebook and it's just me walking about, talking about certain issues I've been through and experiences and seeing if anyone anyone else can relate. Um, and then eventually I just thought, oh, well, let's just see if anyone else wants to come join me in the walks. And that's when, um, the Proper Blokes Club was um, founded in September on the first walk. 
Yeah, we've done one person turned up <laughs> um, and then it's just grown grown from there really to a really solid solid group of um, blokes. How many blokes have contacted you and joined the walking groups? And how many separate groups uh, go out daily now? It's hard to get the exact number on uh, numbers that have contacted me because been, there's been a lot of people contacting me and saying um, they're going to wait for the lockdown to uh, to end before they uh, take part in any walks, which is understandable, um, each to their own. Um, and I've always left the door open for when they want to want to get involved. But um, in the local area, I think we've got nearly 40 lads in the WhatsApp group um, that we all know why we're there. So if anyone's ever feeling down or, or, or needs to talk to anyone, you straight away got a big group of lads there that um that are going to pick you up and and willing to talk to you and um at the moment obviously we can't do the groups but the one-to-one -one sessions have been really good we usually got about four four or five of them out a day um always posting in the group pictures and whatnot and stuff like that so that's really good to see everyone meeting up and um and getting through it um getting through it together so that's the main thing um so yeah so that's the uh how we're people might say why should i go out walking with a bunch of blokes I don't want to share my problems, etc. I've been out on a walk with you and talks range from various of subjects and no pressure and it's a good laugh. Tell us about the blokes who've joined you and why should you get involved? Yeah, that, um, that walk we've done um, was really good. It's it nice to put a face to the name and, uh, and, and, and talk to you in person, which is what the group's about, is trying to get people out and active and, uh, and, and actually meeting and talking. Um, yeah, definitely. That's a good point, and that's the, and that's the um, that's the stigma that we're trying to break. We're trying to um, get lads out and talking, and um, and not bottling it up. And I, and I think one of the big problems is, is they feel they need to change as a person, maybe, um, which is which is not the case at all. You could be the you could be the biggest gym nut and <laughs> be pushing, be lifting heavy weights or whatever they're doing, and you can you can still be that person. But having that extra bit about you probably makes it, it makes you even more of a bloke. So I mean, yeah, you're not worried about what other people think and what you say. So I mean, you've got to make sure that you're releasing that pressure valve in your head because no matter how big or tough you are, you keep holding that stuff and putting it in the back of your mind and it builds up, builds up, builds up, and eventually you get yourself in a situation where um, you're hurting the people you love because they don't understand what's going on. You're not communicating. So um, yeah, it's, 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 it, that's the whole um, cause of the group, mate, is to get them... Um, get everyone talking um, and, and in terms of the group obviously we can't go into detail of individuals but it's a wide range of people we've got a doctor in the group we've got an opera singer in the group we've got um, people working offices people that run their own stuff like it's, it's, it doesn't discriminate um, and, it and it's um, it, can, it can get anybody no matter rich or poor or whatever race or religion you're a part of it's a it's, it's a tough one but getting talking is definitely a massive positive step forward um, to eliminate and break that, uh, that stigma anyway. You've done the five and five day and 26 mile walking marathons recently. How did you find this? Yeah, the, the, the five and five challenge I've done um, a couple of weeks ago now was um, slightly selfish to a certain degree, I think, because I wanted to do it to push myself to see um, how far I could um, take it and do uh, it was completely five matches five days. Um, obviously, I wasn't running them, so I made that one clear. Off different, um, different ball game running. Um, but yeah, walking them was more of a 
it was a mental battle um, the physical. Um, I think we've all got like, lots to do something physically that's demanding. We've just got to get over that barrier of stop saying, I can't do things, and say you can. Um, and you can definitely smash anything. But yeah, that was more of a mental challenge. And, um, and it, it's, uh, it captured a few people's imaginations and it got a bit of coverage and stuff like that, which, and which is what I wanted it to do. Um, just to keep raising this awareness and uh, keep keep pushing this movement forward and uh, breaking that stigma of men's mental health and, and let's get um, let's get men talking. On Monday the 29th of March, you'll be walking 50 miles along the River Thames from Windsor to Tower Bridge. How can people support you on this journey and how are you feeling about this epic walk? Yeah, that's right. Monday the, uh, the 29th is coming up really close now. Um, I'm going to be walking uh, from Windsor along the Thames path all the way to Tower Bridge. Um, exactly the same um, principle as last time on the fire marathon five days is um, I'm not asking for no money for no one um, just a share will do um, because each share you do on your page you might have a hundred two hundred three hundred people on there they're going to see it and be exposed to it and and once again it breaks that stigma and keeps people talking so um, so yeah I think that's going to be so the most miles I've ever covered in a day it was nearly 30 I believe so this is um, taking it to a new level and uh, once again it's going to be uh, mentally mentally challenged as well as physically so we'll see where we are I think a lot of people might be coming along the way at certain points um, which would be nice uh, I'll definitely need that definitely towards the end because I think my feet are going to be hanging off but uh, but yeah now once again I always think to myself uh, every little blister I get or, or whatever I'm feeling at that moment is nothing like the pain that a uh, fellow bloke is feeling when he's in a really bad place or even worse, the families of those that um, their loved ones have, have taken our own life because of because of what's going on in their heads. So, so that, so that, that my pain would be nothing to theirs. But it's so important to just keep spreading the word and keep pushing, and uh, and I'll keep doing these challenges until uh, until it reaches the masses. So yeah, so please keep sharing and being positive, and uh, yeah, and keep supporting the course. What are your plans and hopes for the Blokes Club? Do you want to keep the local to suburb? London, the UK, or maybe see it go international? Yeah, well, at the moment we're only operating in Southwark, of course, which is, um, is it, I, I'm looking at this as like a pilot, I guess, to see how I can sort of get the blueprint for it and then and push it forward and uh, take it other places. I have uh, got ideas to potentially uh, launch it more officially in terms of uh, like a charity-based uh, charity or basically um, a community interest company maybe or something like that just so I can get some funding, so I could do programs during the day, because my background work-wise is working with uh, children in primary school, secondary schools, um, and stuff like that. So I'm trying to figure out a way where I can put this club together, and also my background in what I've done with young people in the past, um, and bring them together to try and do prevention work. So I think it's great the service we're offering to, to local blokes that need it, but um, it'd be even better to try and stop this stuff happening in the first place or arming them with the with, with a toolkit to say look yeah i can deal with these now and it's okay to talk and 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 sort of ingrain that into the next generation's head um and push forward but yeah going international sounds a good idea as well you never know proper blokes club international that'd be great but <laughs> one step at a time is conquer Southwark, and definitely london's going to be the next stage and and um i'd love to see um <clears throat> a proper blokes club walking group in all 32 boroughs of London, that would be amazing. Um, and yeah, the more, as I said, the more people to share this, um, 
information, uh, the more people to get hold of it and you, I might inspire others to do the same or, or want to come and um, join me and start up um, a walk club in their area, which I'm more than happy to help set up and uh, it's only going to be better the more of us that do it, so yeah. And finally, if people would like to contact you, please tell us where they can find you on social. Yeah, definitely. If anybody wants to reach out and needs the support, um, the way to reach us is uh, social media at the moment. We have got a website, so Facebook, Instagram and Twitter are the places we can contact us directly. Um, if you know someone that needs it um, and you have uh, social media, just um, be the person in the middle if you can. That'd be great. Um, and then what I'll do, I'll ping you over my number. They can give me a call or a text um, and then we can do it that way. So this is one of the big things as well. Even if you look at this and say, oh, this ain't relevant to me. This um, might not mean anything to me, but a lot of the people that are suffering the silence are probably the ones closest to you and don't even realise it. So by you just reaching, reaching out, share, just pressing that one share button takes a second. It might reach someone on your friends list and say, oh, wow, this is something I can really do with, isn't it? And not, not to sound too dramatic, but this could actually um, save, save lives. That's, the, that's like the reality of it, really. So... Um, so yeah, so please, even if you feel it's not relevant to you, share, share, share. Oh, much appreciated. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Scott from the Proper Blokes Club for being willing to hop on today's podcast. Come on the fish! Come on the fish! Come on the fish! Thank you for listening to the Pond and Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. In future episodes, we will have on the all-time leading scorer for Fisher FC, as well as the man behind the flag.